Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you guys on this warm Sunday morning. Spring is coming, so it's good news. Uh, my name is Nate Wagner. I'm one of the pastors here at Portico Church Arlington, so welcome. We are continuing to work our way through the book of James, um, and so you can open your Bibles to James 3. We're going to be looking at the first part of the third chapter of James, um, verses 1 through 12. And just a reminder, really quickly, about what kind of book James is, because that's important to remember. James is very practical. He wants to instruct and help the church, especially the early church that he's writing to, to kind of help them live out their faith. So as Jesus ascended and poured out the Spirit on the early church, these, um, these people are being sent into their communities, and they're forming little Churches, little groups of Christians that are organizing and starting to um, kind of figure out how do, we, how do we live this out now that Jesus isn't here to actually model it for us and we're kind of on our own. And so James is really talking about a life by the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, and that comes out in the things that we do. And so he's really kind of aware of how does this look? Like, how does your faith actually look in your life? What happens to someone when they are trusting in Christ. And so if you remember, um, back in chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, kind of give us a roadmap for the whole book. And so i just kind of like to give you guys that framework because it will help you understand what the whole letter is trying to do, how it's working. And it says this, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So he's looking at the words. It's like something about being a Christian shapes and transforms the words that you speak. And he also says that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. So there's part of living out your faith that is how you treat and care for the needy should be reflected in your life. And then finally, it's to keep one's, oneself unstained from the world. And so there's three categories there. You see the words that you speak, the things that you do, and then how you live your inner life before God and keeping yourself pure. So those are kind of the three categories that James gives us to kind of like look at our own lives, look at our own faith, and see how does this measure up to the gospel that we say that we believe. And so that is an important reminder because today we're going to be looking at kind of the most powerful reflection on the tongue or the words that we speak, how we communicate. And um, this is really kind of a, a very popular theme in the New Testament. It's surprising. I didn't think about that. But if you look at, if you look at pretty much anywhere in the letters Paul, Peter, even in the gospel accounts, there's a large concern with what we say as Christians. A huge concern. And so that's just interesting. We don't, I don't think we think that much about it. Especially in our culture, in our, in our era, like words are just kind of cheap, right? Like how many words do we actually consume on a given day? It's just constant, a barrage of words. And they can they seem like they lose their value. Even like the words that we put out there, not even that we speak, but that we write on social media or in emails, like we are 
working with words all the time. And so I think it's easy to forget how valuable they actually are. So we're going to dive into this this morning and look at um, the power of, of words. So please turn there with me, James 3, 1 through 12. We'll go ahead and read this together. <clears throat> Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Please pray with me. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us, that you are a God who communicates, that you have stooped down to our level and have actually communicated with us through your word. And so, God, as we think about our lives and we take stock of the, our own words and what those words reflect, what they show, what they reveal. Lord, we need you to help us, to help us do that, to think clearly about that, to also um, give us hope that even though all of humanity is unable to tame the tongue, that, Lord, you have given us a pure word, something that can redeem us. And so, Lord, we want our speech to be redeemed. We want all of us to be redeemed. Help us do that here this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, it was an ordinary day, and I got a text saying that something that was pretty, pretty traumatic had happened to a couple. And um, my response initially was just anger. And I went to meet with them, and um, there was a lot of pain and a lot of um, damage that had been done. And it was probably one of the most regrettable moments of my work as a pastor, because my words just came out of that. It came out of a place of anger. And even, even if it was well-intended, there was 
there is a moment as I think about it and as I've been thinking about it just given this text, there is a moment where it's kind of like an unvarnished, unguarded expression of how I felt that then got spoken into existence. And as soon as those words come out, it's like you want them back, right? Because the words had power. And you can see, as soon as the words were spoken and they were received and heard and understood, that everything changed. The, the words sunk in and um, had their effect. And that, I share this with you because, A, James is first concerned with teachers. And he's saying, giving a warning that you teachers, you leaders, you will be held to a higher standard because your words are going to carry more weight. Not because of who you are, but the role that you have will bring weight with it. And so not many people should want to do that. And this is actually a really helpful and good passage for me and any leader to hear because it's a reminder that we actually are servants before we're leaders. We are submitting to God, to God's will, to God's desire. And um, as I was reflecting on this instance, because it was just a really powerful and kind of, it was the, it's just what God put on me. It's like, think about this. You've experienced this. Think about this. And I saw, as I was reading this passage, I saw how everything that this passage says about words is true. And it was true in this instance. And so I want to give you three kind of categories, right? The, the overall theme is like the power of words. That's evident, right? Words, they are so strong that they actually take your body to places, and your tongue is kind of the rudder of your entire body. And so that is so super clear, but then it also says, like, here's how they're powerful specifically. They're powerful in that they're destructive. They're powerful in that they're restless, and they're powerful in that they are hypocritical. So they are destructive, restless, and hypocritical. And I'll kind of show you how I saw that happen um, in, this, in this text. It's a warning to all of us to look at our words, be careful of them because of this. And so you see him saying, essentially, like, this is also universal. So it's for teachers. He starts it off by starting it with teachers, but then he's saying every person struggles with this. There's no one who can tame their tongue. And if you can, then you're perfect. If your words are perfect, then you are perfect. If you never make a mistake or an error with your mouth, then you, yourself, your body, is also perfect. Right? And so those first five or so verses really focus on that. And then in verse 6, you see this destructive power. He's using the, the image of a fire. Set, it's a small fire, just a spark can destroy thousands and hundreds of thousands of acres of forest. Something so small is so destructive and powerful. And it, it tears down, right? That's one of the ways that it's destructive, is it tears down the other person. It tears down the object that it's going after. 
And so in my, in my example, I saw this kind of go to work at destroying the relationship that I had with this person. It kind of started carving away and putting in um, questions about trust, about love, about care. And so the relationship was fracturing. And you could see that on the person's face. You could see that just kind of sinking in, and it happens in an instant. But it was also destroying their own kind of, um, their own idea of what it meant to be made in the image of God. And he goes, he goes here later in this passage, but it's the words spoken against people who are made in the image of God start to destroy and wear, wear away at their own concept of being made in the image of God. Their value, their worth, their significance was being damaged, destroyed. And I know that I'm not alone in this. I've got some parents in here. How many times have you said something to your kids and instantly regretted it? You just had that moment where you let a word loose or a series of words loose. And then you saw the effect of it on your children's faces. They sink. And right away, you know you've done damage. Those words had a destructive power to them. Same thing with coworkers, right? If you're at work and you're working on something and a coworker makes a stupid mistake or does something, and then you, in anger, or even in, in malice, you say something, it all of a sudden fractures that relationship. It fractures the trust. It fractures a team. It, it doesn't just stop there, right? It has that effect of spreading. The destructive force of it goes out just like that fire. It's, uh, some of it is unintended consequences. It's not like when you, th- when you said that word, you didn't think, oh, this is going to then destroy other people's work or other people's safety and security here. But... That's what happens, is it spreads. It's kind of contagious, and it is destructive. It's not only destructive, though. It's also restless. So James moves on to talk about the power of words as being restless. And so he says, we can tame all kinds of wild beasts. These things that we see as wild, we can domesticate. We can tame them. We can harness them. We can control them. But we can't with the words that we speak, our tongues are restless. There's that impulsive connection, that snap, right? Where before you're even aware of what you're saying, the words are coming out of your mouth. And that's, that's how he describes it, as a restless evil, full of deadly poison. That, that is, the words are kind of the vehicle through which those, that poison comes. And it just is there, and then it's released, and it's out. And so it's restless. And that's, that's something that, um, in my example again, I was, I was thinking about just how restless the evil was within me. It was waiting to come out. It, wasn't, it didn't just 
get created in that moment, but I actually had some type of pride, some type of anger in me that used that moment as an opportunity to come out. The evil within me was restless, and it's deadly poison. And that's the same, the same goes for, for all of us, that those instances where you kind of unleash on your kids or a coworker or a friend or a family member, those instances, they, they happen not in a vacuum, but they reflect something. They reflect that there is a restlessness within you that then takes opportunity with those circumstances. Now let's look at the hypocrisy of words. In verse 9, James says that with our words, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And then he goes on to kind of give these illustrations of like, what you say cannot be abstracted from what you do or who you are. So if you look at your, your words and this language that we use, the communication that we use with other people, and again, remember, he's saying that no one can tame the tongue, that all of us are in this category. You look at that, that is actually instructive for something within you something about your essence, something about who you are. Saying you can't say those things and then claim to be something else. It's hypocritical. And so our words reveal this deep-rooted hypocrisy as we think that we can come to church on a Sunday, sing, and praise God, Go through all of the mechanics, read the words that are on the screen, and then we get into our cars and yell at our kids, or we get home and we chew out somebody who failed to do something that you thought they were going to do. Or you go into Monday and you vent and complain and grumble. Because all of those words, all those categories, our words reveal something about us. And so when you, when you think about grumbling, when you think about complaining, some of these categories of things that we see elsewhere in the New Testament of like, do not grumble, do not complain, do not murmur. We all do this. And yet we don't think it's that big of a deal, do we? I, I just don't think we do. I don't think we honestly think that our complaining is that big of a deal. I don't think we honestly think that the words we say to our kids are that big of a deal. But what James is telling us here is that it's showing you something about who you are. It's showing you about an evil power that's at work within you. It's an evil power that's destroying you, that's restless within you, and that is making you a hypocrite. And I was thinking about this, and 
It really reveals the source that you're working from. All of those things, your grumbling, your complaining, your anger, your um, careless, thoughtless, destructive words, they, they're revealing something about the source. They're being sourced from somewhere. Where's the source? What is the source? Well, Jesus answered this question that nobody asked. Um, he, he answered it when he's talking with the Pharisees. And you guys know, you'll know this. This is a very kind of popular um, Christian verse that a lot of us have, have memorized, but the context is really important too. He's talking to the Pharisees and he says, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So you see Jesus kind of um, re-emphasizing the importance of words in that they are actually what will justify or condemn you, the things that you speak. And why is that? It's because it's connected to your heart. It's connected to the source of who you are. And it's revealing something. And so for me, this, um, this principle was really important because what it did is it revealed that I was speaking from my heart in that moment, in that moment that, that I still look back on with, with some regret. I was speaking from my heart. That wasn't like a mistake. That was who I was. It was coming right from my heart. And the, the grace of that is that it offers you a way of repentance because of who Jesus is. Jesus is the word of God. He is the true word of God made flesh. And he says, with your words you will be condemned. With your words you will be justified. And in that, in that statement, because of who Jesus is, he's God. That statement is itself a condemnation of our evil words, isn't it? He's pronouncing a judgment against our evil words. But because Jesus is the word of God, he also condemns our evil words on the cross. He goes to the cross for our careless words. He died for those. He died for your grumbling. He died because you're a complainer. And he puts to death the power of those words. And he died for that because those words are ultimately spoken against God and his creation. And he does that to reconcile us to God and his creation. But it doesn't stop there. He actually empowers us to speak from a new source. It's his heart. So he raises to new life. He's alive. He ascends and he pours out his spirit, 
which is working in all of his people. And it's a new heart that actually works to redeem our words. It's a new heart that gives us a new source. And all of a sudden, you don't have to speak from your heart. You can speak from the heart of Christ. You can hear the power of his word, and it's stronger than the power of your words. It overwhelms the power of your words, and it gives you a new word to speak. And you see this in Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 through 6. This is actually a a beautiful passage because it's a foreshadowing of a conversation that Jesus has with his father. It's a prophetic kind of foreshadowing of it. And so this is Jesus speaking to God. And he says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. And so in that, you see what it looks like to have the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ speaks as one who hears from God. That's what Jesus did, is he received from God, and then he let that form and instruct his heart. And something beautiful happens when this, when this redemption works itself out. Let's think about those three categories again. You had destructiveness, restlessness, and the hypocrisy. When it's redeemed, our destructive words become creative words. Here's how that worked for me. I realized, you know, I realized it in the minute, but then as I reflected on that conversation I had with that person, I reflected on it, and I was humbled by it. And I went back to that person and asked for forgiveness. And I spoke different kinds of words. These words were much more thoughtful. They reflected God's work in my life. They, they showed me that I spoke out of a, an understanding of God's grace that was limited, And I had to have that category broken. I had to see God's grace as powerful enough to actually be able to redeem my own words. And so the words that I spoke going back to that person, they were created. They they created a new dynamic. They produced fruit immediately that built up life. You could see the relationship restored. You could see forgiveness being offered and granted. And you could see a new connection, a stronger connection established. Those words were redeemed. Those words were also careful. I thought about them. I reflected them. I held them in to um, the standard. They were subject to the standard of God's word. So it wasn't just like, oh, impulsive, something that wants to come out of me and I unleash. It's no thoughtful, careful. Those are the words of the heart of Christ, careful words, measuring their impact, thinking through the ramifications, being intentional about how they're going to be received. And then finally, they were truthful words. 
the words that I spoke initially were hypocritical. I was holding somebody to a standard that I couldn't match. I was upset at something that I do. And I did it ultimately to kind of feel good. Feels good if we're honest to tear somebody down. Just initially. You feel righteous, you feel powerful. But it's dishonest, it's not true. I'm no better than that person. I'm not more powerful. I'm not more righteous than that person. So the redeemed words are words of humility and truth that then show the truth and reveal the power of Jesus in that moment. And so I, was, I am just blown away at God's kindness because I wasn't thinking about this as it was happening. This was just kind of the Spirit of God working in me, showing me where I had sinned and showing me the way of reconciliation, the, the way of redemption and seeing it work out. But this is what is expressed here in James. And so Jesus has made sure that we all have a new source, that he is working his heart into us, that we can pull from his heart and speak from that source instead of our own source, instead of our own hearts. And so where do you need to do that? Probably all the time. I know for me, it's all the time. But maybe there's a specific example that you can think of. And so I, my encouragement is to you, don't, don't leave today without thinking about how you can go back and seek redemption in that. Because even though our words do cause destruction like a fire, the gospel brings new life from that destruction. It brings hope, it brings healing, it brings restoration. And the connection, the healing, the power of that is tied to everlasting life. It's tied to the resurrection itself, something that will last through the judgment. And so trust God with that. Trust God by going and speaking from the heart of Christ to someone today. So, so often we hear this passage, I think, and like, if you grew up in the church, I didn't, but if you did, you've probably heard about this and it's been used to say like, you shouldn't curse, right? Like, don't say bad words. Like, that's one of the applications. And it's like, okay, um, that's probably not exactly what he means by cursing. But for those of you who are like, yes, I'm off the hook. I can say whatever I want. Those words do reveal something about your heart. So think about that. But James is intending us not to just be careful about what we say. He wants us to be careful about what we say. But some of us can then just retreat into ourselves and say, I'm, well, I'm not going to talk because I make, might make a mistake. But all of the things that he says about the tongue are, remain true, and that is how God created us. And it's because we are in his image. He wants us to speak. He wants us to bless. He, this isn't just a negative, don't do this. It's a, no, don't do this, and then ask the question, what do I do? What do I speak? How can I build up? How can I be creative with my words? How can I be careful and gentle and thoughtful with my words? How can I be restorative and truthful with my words? And then go and speak. Because he enlists our tongues 
as agents of redemption in this world. And so we don't just think and regret the things that we've said that have damaged and try not to do that again. It's like, okay, you can do that, but now enlist your mouth in the work of redemption. Speak words of redemption. Bless people. Speak scripture over them. Pray over them. And so wherever that is for you, push into that. Don't just think of how you shouldn't speak, but then think of how can I speak from the heart of Christ and do that. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are gracious to us, that you are a Lord full of grace and truth. Um, God, we are astounded when we, and overwhelmed when we think about it and stop and take some time to examine all of the words that we've spoken throughout the course of our life. Lord, it's a miracle that things aren't way worse than they are. And so we thank you for, um, for your spirit that works in us, that makes us salt and light, that has given us your heart, that we are instructed in a new language, a language of redemption and grace. And so God, I ask that you would, you would help us to speak that language, that we would go, um, go forth and try and learn it and know it, that we would constantly be looking and searching out your heart so that we can speak it that we can be sourced from it. So Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is, um, who is true, who is not different than the things that he says, but when you have made promises to us that they, that they come to fruition. And we depend on you for all of this, Lord. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.